Hello. Hello. I'm Mark. And I'm Joe. And this is Finish Um, We are here today with the glorious Robert Valentine. Hello, Robert. Hello, I've got the giggles. <laughs> I don't know why. Hello, hi, hey guys. How... <clears throat> let me let me let me try that again, but a bit deeper. Yeah, hey guys, how are you? <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'm, I'm again, gonna, once I'm again, gonna... I haven't touched a drop. This is question this is... for you straight away. Go on. That will not tax you in any way, shape, or form. Oh God. Since yeah. you're looking at two super fans of the work of Robert Valentine, go on, do the thing. Do what? Oh, <laughs> my question is this: that, that's top podcasting, by the way. <laughs> no, this is going out as a video. Oh, oh, is it? Oh, good. Oh, right. Well, I'm glad I cut my hair then. Blue neck, right? Okay. Oh, oh, I've forgotten the question. No, I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> the question is this: Will you marry us? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, but, but the proper introduction. I, I want a prenup, but yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, actually, you could be worth a bit of money. Oh, there you go, and it's all on film now. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was kind of thinking, but the other way. Anyway, carry on. Writer, script editor, producer. Yeah. Of, I know all of your audio work. I'm not sure outside of audio work. I've mainly been for 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 longest time. I've, I've, it's mainly all audio, to be honest. I've, I've been I've been in the medium for a very very long time now. Although we we would like to probe you a little bit, okay, outside of Doctor Who work as well, because we've yeah, been sure sure we've been having a little look at robertvalentine.net today, and we've been learning a lot. <laughs> Good. <laughs> that didn't sound sinister at all. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, obviously, you've worked on many ranges for Big Finish. Yeah. So we will, of course, get to that. And as Joe said, you've also worked in the audio medium in sort of outside of Big Finish on many other audio projects. So how did you get into working in that medium in the first place? Um, I got into that medium through a company called the Wireless Theatre Company. Uh, they're still going strong today. Uh just knows wireless theatre now. Um, that's um, founded by Mariel Runacre Temple, and uh, I kind of got into them through uh, my colleague Jack Bowman on a production called The Springhill Saga, which was a uh, Victorian fantasy adventure series that we did for them. Uh, and so that was kind of that was it, really. I was kind of you know something. I was a film student, uh, kind of a frustrated screenwriter, and um, suddenly there was um, a platform where you could kind of tell very big stories on a very big canvas for very little money. And that's kind of that was kind of the initial draw to working in the medium. I say working in the medium uh, uh, for, for years to begin with. You know, um, you know, we all had day jobs because. Um, it wasn't we didn't really know how to monetize what we were doing so just the, the very fact we were getting to make stuff was kind of the uh the in but you know i was always kind of i was kind of like i was writing you know i was doing various different temp jobs and the best temp jobs are the ones where you've got a monitor with you know and a desk that's with a wall behind you so no one can see that what you're actually doing is writing but yeah but then but then uh, in more recent years it's actually i've actually um it's become my living so i'm actually making a full-time living now from it 
which I'm very, very fortunate to be able to do. Just because I'm at the moment, I don't know how long that will last. But for the for the time being, I'm doing it full time, which is uh, amazing, and uh, I feel very, very lucky. But it could all it could all end in six months. Um, but so so far so far it hasn't. We feel very lucky as well because you've been responsible for some of our favourite big finish stories over the last couple of years. So. Well, thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Very Were you uh, an audio listener before you got into into that? Uh, I suppose I, I was amongst you know. Re- really, I'm you know, um, I'm a film lover. I'm a film buff. But um, I, I grew up with um, actually one of my earliest Doctor Who experiences was having the uh, the dual cassette thing containing uh, Slipback with uh, Colin Baker. And uh, Genesis of the Daleks with uh, Tom. So those those are kind of some of my kind of uh, uh, that was I think was, that might have been the first bit of Doctor Who media I owned actually. But also um, you know you know I was part of the generation who grew up listening to Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds. And I know it's I know it's kind of a, a prog album, but it's still you know it's it's still it's still a work in the audio medium. And yeah, I, and you know I, growing up as well, there were books like was it you know the story. I think it was called the Storyteller. Funny enough, nothing to do with Jim Henson, but uh, those re- all all those read along books we'd get as a kid, and you you know so you'd read along with the books, and then there'd be a ping to turn the page. So you know, Ladybird books did that, and uh, you know, I swear I recall you know stuff like that as well. So yes, I did, but um, unlike a lot of people uh, working in the medium, I can't pretend that I have a special love or affinity for it uh really it's the one i fell into i mean and, and then managed to make a living in and it could have it could have ended up being comics or it could have it could have, it could you know i'd still like to work in film and go back and start filmmaking again it's kind of permanently on my to-do list at the moment to uh, once i've kind of cleared all the stuff i'm doing but um yeah it, it, it's the medium i kind of just kind of found my self in not by choice but really just by a quirk of uh, technology and uh the, the rise of the mp3 player in the mid in the mid to late noughties that's it sorry sorry i'm just gonna go a little bit off topic already when you said you did film studies well, i was about to ask the same question oh right you said, good, a, well, you said yeah. again I, I did film at uh with and uh made a few you know little cruddy shorts and made a very cruddy, no-budget feature film uh, back in the noughties, which was huge fun and educational, but, you know, professionally, you know, got me nowhere. But um, audio drama did, because even with, you know, even on, like, a, a proper, like, no-budget indie thing, if you can get together a few hundred quid, you can you can find, you know, you can you can get a, a good, you know, you can get really good actors, you know, uh, equity minimum. So on the Spring Hill Saga... We got Julian Glover to play the bad guy for like, uh, you know, for equity minimum for, I think we booked him for four hours. He was done in 90 minutes, but it was a little gig he could get in uh, before going to play Mr. Brownlow in Oliver in the West End that evening. But but just, just for kind of my own personal sense of uh, uh, like, Oh, hang on. This is, this is a, this is actually achievable. Um, writing something that then Julian Glover's a bad guy in was personally for me kind of a good, it's a good, it was a good cure for imposter syndrome. So really that was kind of, after that it was like, well, I'm getting to write and direct and tell stories that would be prohibitively expensive uh, if you were doing the film version. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's where I've, it's where I've ended up 
just by chance, really. Can I ask him, has that imposter syndrome vanished now? Because you know, you've had some prestige actors say um, words for Big Finish. Weirdly, I would say no. The, the imposter syndrome doesn't go away. You just realise that everybody feels the same way. That's the thing. It, it's a, that's that's all it is. It's like, oh, everyone's winging everything. And every, every time you start something new, it's square one. I mean, you might, you're, yes, you've got experience and uh, processes and stuff you might have developed, but uh, yeah, every every time I direct anything, I've always, I've, it's like, I don't have to do this, you know, even and, or if, I'm, if I'm writing something new, it's uh, it, you're beginning from, you know, from the beginning every single time. So you just sort of pinch yourself sometimes when you get um, a cast list through. For I'm talking purely about sort of the big finish work now. Yeah, although I must admit, with big finish, I find sometimes unless I've been invited to the recording, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes I only find out who's in it when it's released. It's like, oh wow, they got so and so. And sometimes if I'm listening in, they and they haven't told me beforehand who's in it. Um, like uh, um, I was one I did recently. It was a Ninth Doctor called Run, and uh, the first I knew that Jane Asher was in it was when I. I, I listened in on, over clean feed to the recording and heard the person playing the bad guy. Then they came out of character and thought, that sounds like Jane Asher. And then Helen Goldwyn, the director, called, said, Oh, that's good take, Jane. So oh, it is Jane Asher. So, yeah. So I, I suppose so, that's the joy with something like, um, and we'll get into it later, but the Purity series, where you do one from the early sets and you know who's going to be playing those major roles. And so then you can write for those actors. Oh and, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, on that one, actually, just when they um, when Imogen Stubb, when Jack Rayner cast Imogen Stubbs as glorious, uh, yeah, as Patricia, because I, you know, again, I Patricia um, Imogen Stubbs is I've kind of had a bit of a crush on her ever since uh, Eric the Viking from 1989. <laughs> uh, so you know, but so yeah, it's it's the caliber of actors. Big finish get is gets is staggering, but also it's it's a medium that doesn't demand much of an actor. In that you know you can go along to the studio at a, at a civilized hour. There's no makeup. It doesn't have to be. You know, there's no location work. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's incredible just the caliber of cast you can get for stuff. And you know, great actors make your writing seem better than it actually is. Uh, and that's kind of that's always a thrill. So, how did you get into working for Big Finish? Two ways at once, actually. Um, I was on a panel up in Oxford um, talking about audio drama, just because I've been doing work with Wireless Theatre and uh, a few other people by that point. So we were talking about just the development of kind of podcast drama outside of radio, and I just kind of mentioned. I said, I said, as an aside, some very nice things about Big Finish, but simply that you know that Big Finish is kind of you can't really include Big Finish in part in the phenomenon of the development of audio drama simply because they're a special case because they've got dedicated listeners because of doctor who but i nevertheless describe them as this wonderful oasis of audio drama when there wasn't any anywhere else outside the beeb and it just happened that matt fitton was in the audience because he lived around the corner not to dox him too much but he's he's in that part of the world and so i had a uh, i didn't know matt but we had a little we had a drink and a chat after briefly and then I was just kind of uh, at the back. I was on his long list of people he might ask at some point uh, for a couple of years. Then I won a BBC Audio Drama Award for a series I did called Red Moon for Wireless, which was a, 
big deal because it meant it was really after that I kind of was making a proper I could make a proper living in it because then lots of different job offers came in. I beat um, Big Finish with Attergirl. Beating people in things is good. It turns out, um, and I said I said some really nice things about them in my acceptance speech, which were all true. But Lou, Louise Jameson was there, and she mentioned that to David Richardson. Apparently, I only learned this years later. I just thought Matt waited for them to to ask me. But I said some nice things about Attergirl. Uh, then the very next day, I uh, Matt emailed me uh, with an invitation to write for the Paternoster Gang. It took, it took two years and uh, an unlikely award win. Now that I script edit for uh, for Big Finish, you know, assertive writers will, you know, they'll they'll, they'll contact you and pitch themselves and ask and stuff. I, I was very I was very much the opposite. I was kind of oh, you know, well, if if anything ever were to come up, but you know, I was I played I played probably, I played it far too cool probably. And I could I could have possibly been writing for them a good two years earlier, but um, yeah, but it never ever occurred to me to contact them about uh, writing for them. I always thought the first script was Shadow. The Sun was that your first release as such? Um, I don't remember. My first <laughs> script was the Paternoster Gang. Then my second one was the Eric Roberts Master story Faustian Shadow of the Sun. I think might have been my third, and only got released when it did as a proof of concept that Big Finish could actually record stuff remotely during lockdown. That was kind of, that was kind of a big step up. I remember because John Dormy Dorney emailed me and asked me if I'd want to if I could would like to write for the Fourth Doctor, and yeah, I. I I kind of, you know, I didn't Did come you? down from, I didn't come down from the ceiling for about an hour. I was just delighted. Um, but yeah, so that that was kind of the start of my uh, big finish relationship. And now I'm kind of, you know, doing a doing a lot. I've done a lot with them, and I'm I've got a lot more to do. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really they're a really fun company to work with, and uh, lovely bunch of people. They've kind of you know, helped keep me. Uh, solvent yeah. so it's all good it's all good yeah it's all good that must be exciting when they come to you with the different ranges and the different characters and these is that how it works is would you like to write for this we've got this coming up yeah i, it, there, I think there are multiple ways but usually it's you know it's a kind of are you free to write for this or that um and, and sometimes um if you're writing something for them they might say have a very specific brief like could you write something that involves the bandrills magnus greel in his teenage years and uh i don't know prohibition and uh you know Lucy, you doctor. heard it here first folks it's <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, and it has to be that and yeah so just yeah give give us some ideas or it could be a much more open brief um like you know pitch pitch three different ideas for uh you know um fourth doctor and leela or something how do you find that creatively if you're given a you know a couple of characters there these need to be in here or would oh, you it can be good it's nice to it's nice having like a one sentence brief because then you can give three different three wildly different ideas based on that um sometimes you're given a bit of a shopping list uh of like you know it must include all these characters and it's it can be a little bit Oh, okay, right. Well, okay, I'll uh, I'll go away and um, come up with uh, <laughs> come up come up with a scenario that kind of feels natural and fluid. And yep, I'll I'll make that work. But that's part of the that's part of the fun as well. It's all it's all the different. It's all part and parcel of playing in someone else's sandbox, as they say. You've allowed you're a guest getting to write someone else's IP, basically. 
that's kind of that's kind of that's the upside to it and it's also the downside to it it's just that you know that's it that's that's the way it works i've heard um i've heard other writers i think uh christopher h bidme said you know the script editor of season 18 like jnt would say right you've got to include the master and you've got to this and you've got to that and it sort of raises eyes to the heavens like okay how the hell am i going to make this work and then it's creative juices start flowing and and it's putting together people that he never would have thought would go together yeah and yeah as a result you're really stimulated and and off you run yeah creative limitation is what you need so yeah it's 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 always fun getting a brief through um i to be honest i've never had one i thought was a problem it's just sometimes uh it's uh Actually, the only one I ever I, I any had any kind of problem with, and it was probably only for for about thirty seconds, was um, uh, being asked to do classic Doctor's new monsters and being given the Tavolians. I, was like, I just I just had a brief minute of oh man, really? <laughs> you did that brilliantly. Well, yeah, well, it's such I, a funny story. I love well, that. Thanks, thanks, thanks. But it's one of the things. The idea kind of comes after the fact that okay, well, this kind of sucks how you know why do i think it sucks why am i wrong and what are the strengths i'm not seeing and then then and that and but by identifying the actual problems and your own personal problems and stuff then you actually then the story the story kind of waves waves at you from across the room it says over here you know because yeah and so that that is the fun of it that is the fun of it you actually single hand for me single-handedly redeemed that race for me because I found them a little bit interminable in both their appearances on TV. And then you wrote that we're going to go on holiday with the doctor. And uh, he became this really sympathetic, lovely character. Oh, thanks. But I like, I like the, I like the way the Tavillians are dealt with in both those stories, but I didn't want to have to deal with those kind of characters. I wanted, I wanted a nice Tavillian who I'd like. So, you know, but, you know, Tavolians are like people, you know, there are good, good ones and bad ones. And uh, I kind of thought with um, the God complex, it was really brilliant the way the idea of, you know, an, an aggressive form of cowardice was portrayed. But I didn't want, I didn't want that. I wanted to do, you no, know, could I have a, could, could I have a heroic form of this, a kind of a more positive iteration of it? Cause, you know, you know, because yeah, those are the kind of things I like to write in the middle of pandemics when I want to be on holiday in Italy, you know. <laughs> and then they go and then uh, go back to the casting thing, and then they go and cast Robert Dawes, who is just amazing. He's brilliant in everything. Uh, he's he's one of the best actors we have. Then it it works, and I'm, makes me very happy. I said to you in the Sharda commentary that we did for Hamster that you can tell when Tom Baker is responding positively to a script. Like he'll always be good but you know when he's having a blast and he was having a blast with that script he's laughing his head off for most <laughs> oh yeah yeah well he um you get notes that you know some act some actors who play the doctor have stronger ideas you have strong ideas about how the what the doctors are like um really i think that comes that's um that's tom baker and uh chris Reckleston. they've kind of got ideas you know but you know sides of their doctor they're keen to promote and with tom it was um he likes doing the, the melancholy bits and stuff but really he likes he likes kind of being big and fun and joyful and positive and actually enjoying himself so yeah 
and it just you know i was asked and that's the other thing you can be asked to write the same thing at three different times and uh your own mood and whatever wherever you are at the time will massively affect uh how it comes out and i was just desperate for a bit a big romantic holiday basically when that one came along well you had um the task of writing the last main range story yeah like the hell of a brief well, well, oh yeah 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 was in that oh yeah the um the end of the beginning yes yeah. i was very very aware with that one if they'd asked me a week earlier or a week later all my ideas would have been different if they'd asked me a week earlier, would they, would my ideas have been better? Maybe they would have been, or you know, maybe the week after, you know. So, but yeah, so yeah, they are. But yeah, that was that was great. I don't know why I was asked. I think I, I'm, my guess is they wanted it quickly, and they knew I can write fast. That's probably, and I don't know how many people said no before me. But anyway, <laughs> whatever point, whatever whatever stage in the game it was. When when the when it reached when it reached asking me, I said yes. I actually I was actually halfway through a different script which I had to put down to to write the end of the beginning before going back to it again. But yeah, that was huge fun. And uh, again, the brief with that was basically do a companion piece to uh, the Sirens of Time. So I so I did. What's the the sort of time frame for? for do they obviously vary quite a lot then in terms of? Oh yeah, yeah. Pitching and then finish script. It it, it 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 all depends when it's needed by really. So it can be. Oh, this is we're not going to be. Uh, this doesn't need to be finished until sometime next year. But you know, we'll contract you now so we can pay you for it and everything. But uh, so you could. But usually, maybe they might give you a month to write a one-hour thing, or six weeks to write a one-hour thing, or a week to write. You know, if, That's if the hell. Well, yeah. oh, there have been times. There have been times where you know it's like a very, very quick write. Um, it's it's rare, and it's usually because um, we've suddenly got a golden opportunity to right. work with. It's usually some something has happened in terms of availability. Either some availability has dropped out or dropped through, or they've suddenly got we've got a chance to get someone. So whatever. But um, yeah, so sometimes it can be you know. It can be quick, um, but I, I'm I can do it. If I'm writing a script quickly, it tends to be a, a script in which the characters are also in a rush. <laughs> so yeah, so kind of you know they they tend to t the the ones I have to write fast tend to turn into chases of one kind or another. But inspiration can strike when a deadline is rushing towards you very quickly. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. I'm probably also urging the character, hurry up and get to the end. We need <laughs> Why is everyone running around in this screen? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, there's, there's probably a degree of that too. I suppose if you if you had like one week to, week to write something where the characters are sitting around being contemplative, contemplative, con anyway, yeah, thinking a lot, um, I, I imagine just as the writer, I could get impatient with them. It's like, hurry up. Yeah. Cause you know, we, but uh, yeah, it's all good. And um, yeah. And yeah. So I just try and, I just try and do what any freelancer does, which is be nice to work with, do good work and do it on time. And uh, if you can do two of the three, you're winning. For the, the savviest decision of many savvy decisions with that last story in the main range was having the eighth doctor and Charlie back which everybody had wanted for so long. And that story wasn't long enough. I was like, yeah. I want this to be double the length. <laughs> oh, right, yes. Um, Night Gallery, the one with the uh, Highgate, the vampire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that was... Um, 
because I wanted to write about the Highgate Vampire, but uh, the wonderful Mark Wright had uh, beaten me to it with a Doctor Who 12th Doctor comic strip in Doctor Who magazine where he meets the Highgate Vampire. So instead, I, I thought, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was, it was great fun, but it's like, oh, Mark's beaten me to it. So I thought, what I will, okay, what I will do, because it's a, you know, it's the, it's the end of the main range. I'll get a bit of 90s nostalgia in. And I thought, well, the 90s to me, Paul McGann in the 90s was I, he's Marwood from Withnall and I. So I will have the Highgate Vampire, but I'll, I'll make it a very, I'll make it, I'll make it Withnall, basically. I'll make it a, a, a dissipated old mate of the Eighth Doctors who, <laughs> who, who, who lives, you know, who lives in a in a townhouse up sort of Camden, Notting Hill way, and uh, and, and end it with them having a walk in the park and saying goodbye, essentially. So it's, it was just me, me taking the Highgate Vampire and uh, Withnall and I, and uh, and also and having the bad guy be Damien Hurst. That was the other. That was the other thing. Brit, Brit art was important. Curiosity about um, end of the beginning, and that's Sylvester McCoy, who does appear, but doesn't hmm. have an enormous role in it. Yeah, I because uh, he was well, he was unavailable due to. I figured as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know because I wasn't involved in the production side of it. I was just asked to write it. I do wonder if, um, if, if Sylvester had been available. Because originally he wasn't going to be in it at all, I think. Then, you know, so I, I think that's the thing. That's the thing people don't necessarily think about when they're listening to the finished thing. Is I wrote a, I wrote a version where he wasn't in it at all, or at least I wrote a version of the treatment, you know, the long form of the treatment where he wasn't. But then we got news later that oh no, he can appear. So, so he did in the end. But I do wonder if, um, if he had been available, if it would have been a uh, fifth, sixth, and the seventh Doctor thing, exactly like the Sirens of Time. Yeah. So, but that's just that's me guessing. I don't know. It's not my none of my business to be honest. But yeah, so just a suspicion. But getting just that. Oh, this is the other thing. Um, knowing that we had to record um, the Seventh Doctor first, I had to write his cameo before I'd written anything else in the script. So that's the other thing. Is you know, if uh, people don't like the ending of uh, the end of the beginning or whatever. Well, I had to write it for you. I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Well, no, thanks, thanks. But you know, but you know, but you know, everyone's different. But um, there are a multitude of uh, hurdles that can assail you at any point in the writing process. You know, it's either actors dropping out or or act or actors slowly becoming available. So, uh, so I have got to write for the Seventh Doctor, even if just a a, a, a tiny bit. I remember the exact line. He comes in, we were like. You didn't imagine I was going to miss this, did you? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Very five doctors is very funny. Well, well, going into the the box sets, um, there are some ranges that we really want to talk about because they are event box sets for us. Whenever they're released, oh, wow, we have cool. to listen to them. Can we start with this? Right, oh, we've got. Okay, we'll start with the our all-time favorite <laughs> spin-off from Big Finish ever. <gasps> Oh, you yes, unique bird world. world. Oh, we're the we're the biggest Bambera stands you're ever going to meet. All right. Oh, oh, fantastic, fantastic. When I did love you first her. Hear that there would be a series featuring Bambera. What was your what were your thoughts on that when that first? I'll just um, I'll just joy. Um, Emily Cook emailed me and asked if I'd like to script edit it, and it's like yeah, yeah. So yeah, that and that was it. That was it. Um, I, I watched Battlefield on transmission. Absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
and then we just you know said well it's going to be it's going to be the, the it's the 90s uh unit show we never got so M- emily was the producer i was the script editor and uh yeah so we put our heads together and um yeah make, did that really so I, there's a lot of um there's a lot of kind of ripping off yeah i was you know uh See the X Files and Bugs and Chimera. If don't if you remember, if you remember Chimera, I do. Yeah, that terrifying miniseries set on the moors with that uh, mutant hybrid who escapes from this lab. Yeah, terrifying stuff. And of course, the, you know uh, the pace of Bugs brilliantly as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And even you know like uh, Goldeneye, because again, Goldeneye was kind of the 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 mid nineties James Bond revival, and this has kind of a a kind of a, a mid nineties unit revival feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And stuff like the millennium dome, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> One of our favorite lines in here. Yeah. All, all the, the millennium dome. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's great. And um, because we actually listened to that, we're on a trip to London. We were around Canary Wharf and all about oh, bug, bugs country. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have to say, you single-handedly managed to both uh, make that the best trip ever and ruin it, because I didn't want to leave the hotel till I'd finished listening to it. <laughs> so, so we were there, and he's going, let's go out. I'm going, no, we'll listen to the last one. <laughs> it was Brilliant. great. But it, yeah, that absolutely captures that tone. The only thing that we're truly sad about is that it wasn't filmed in the 90s, you know? It's, I tr- oh, man, that, that absolutely should have existed. You captured the tone. Mm. that mid-90s tone perfectly oh thanks um the first the first step was uh getting hold of the uh the novelization of battlefield and uh reading all that there were things we couldn't do uh just because it's a licensed bbc property and uh, like these days this isn't giving anything away it's just um the bbc is understandably um you 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 can't you know bladed weapons and alcohol abuse are two things you can't have um so um in in the novelization um bambera is quite a hard drinking burnout uh so we just did you know we just said well we can't have our being a hard drinking burnout so we'll we'll, we'll just replace the whiskey for coffee um and cuz you know that was established but you know but it's kind of it's kind of there between the lines that she's kind of you know she's got ptsd uh, and stuff but uh but the the novelization does go into her backstory a fair bit just you, you get the idea of what unit looks like internationally and what her unit life is like and just interesting stuff like like she she, she has only known zabregnia for a couple of days at the start of battle at the start of battlefield and just stuff like little things like that were just really handy going in it was the joy of those novelizations when they came out after the 80s stories is that it was at a point where the targets they could give them so much more depth they didn't really mind about a word count and they just went to town with stories like curse of Fenrir, remembrance of the daleks battlefield yeah yeah they're brilliant they're brilliant and they they um they they really do flesh out the shows and that's and when you're when you're when you are trying to kind of tell stories beyond that that it becomes invaluable um knowing what the you know knowing what's already been laid down and how much of it you can use and how and knowing what to discard and what to include and what can point you in the right direction and stuff like that was it always the three characters because it's quite a, a small team of regulars in that isn't it yeah no um 
really, it just made sense that, well, she, she'd have a sergeant and she'd have a scientific advisor. The, the cast size is purely a budgetary thing. It's, you know, it's... Uh, Works, it's, though. Works oh, really yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's just that, you know, it just it just becomes... You've got to... You, that's the, the one budgetary consideration in audio drama is cast size. So, um, yeah, so you've just got to be kind of frugal at the conception stage so you know you know how many characters i mean considering that it's an, it's a budgetarily a necessarily small cast um it's something it's actually a large number of three is not they become because two of them are reg, regular supporting cast you've got three regulars and actually that leaves you very little for Yes, characters. Mm. Yeah, for people they meet. Just one solution is like you have a like you might have a Severin light episode or a Rick's light episode, which is what we did because we introduced them one at a time and then have them both together in the last one, stuff like that. So, but really the budgets for Bambera and guest cast. But um, we thought, well, you know, we want we want a a little unit family. We had plans for the extended unit family, so. Uh, so that was kind of that was that was the thinking. Without asking for any kind of spoilers for the future, a quite a happy ending at the end of that second set. You know, is that the last we're going to hear of Bambera? I have no idea. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well dodged. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, if I, if I did know anything, I wouldn't tell you, and if oh, I no. didn't know anything, I wouldn't tell you. But no, I I would love to. I'd love to. But uh, it's it was it's you know it was um that last the final episode is um. I think when they were we were recording it, or it must have been in the special features, but I think it was observed that you know it, it ends at the the dawn of the new millennium. Our unit family, you know, pop open a bottle of champagne and uh, toast the future. So, ending it at the year two thousand, and I, you know, I remember that uh, was uh, was kind of it just seemed it seemed you know well that that's a that's a good place to kind of cement that team. We're heading towards 2005 then, and we know where unit was then, don't we? Yeah, so you can't really take them much further, really. And I kind of feel that, you know, you, you don't want to take them, you know... I kind of feel, because they're the... You know, this is just kind of a more of a kind of a social history commentary thing. They're not, a, they're not a team you'd want to take beyond September 11th, 2001, because the 19th... That's, that's when the 90s ended, you know? So mm. decades don't end on the dot in terms of uh cultural tides it's like you know the night you know the 2020s actually began probably what march 2020 with covid that's kind of the true the true end of the previous decade and the true beginning of this one they're a 90s team so i in my head you don't want to take them past the end of that that cultural moment you almost have to address that and you don't want to address that really no you no you want you, you kind of want you, you want them to live in the kind of the relative innocence of the 1990s mm. they're not a naughty's team and besides you know i mean doctor who proper came back in 2005 and you don't want to cross-contaminate also they're part of that big what if of what would have doctor who been like in the 90s yeah and it wouldn't just... have been it wouldn't have been the McGann tv series it would have been I felt like we were too lucky because we had unit in the 70s, obviously. And then they came back in the mid-noughties. And then we've had sort of the unit box sets later on. And a big gap in the 90s. It's finally been plugged. You know, we're fans. So we I'm, 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 I'm glad. I'm so, so am I. So am I. It was, uh, yeah. And obviously more Angela Bruce oh, in man. anything. <laughs> she is amazing. Crazy, isn't she? 
You listen to her on those special features. I mean, eccentric <laughs> ain't the word for it. Oh, she, yeah, she, she's, yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's, she's happy to be back. And uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, it's, it's amazing. It took so long. Also, the other thing is, um, she, Bambera does appear in Animals, which I think is set in 2001. So that's actually another thing. It's you kind of want all her other stories to be pre that somehow, or at least I do. Anyway, it just seems fitting to me. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that, but yeah, actually, yeah. using animals. Yeah, but the mm. tone of animal and the very tone different. of this was mm. so different. Yeah, and I, you know, I've, I've said to you before, like the um, the music of the, the Seabird series. Oh, I mean, yeah. oh, that God, drives yeah. the tone as much as the ride, as much as the performance. Yeah, Borna's score for that is absolutely. It ma- it makes it it makes it it really does you know I can't have been the only person cheering when I saw that soundtrack coming out you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's incredible yeah well the other sets which were which we could not wait for every time was obviously the purity range with oh yes I just got my Maybe. got my one of those through uh, yesterday yeah. how was that in terms of did you know obviously you had the four box sets. Was that was that always planned to have the four that many stories within this arc? Yes, that was the brief to do that. Yeah, Jack, Jack uh, Rayner, uh, and I got put together, and um, Jack had come up with uh, the character of Hebe Harrison and uh, Patricia McBride, and said, "Okay, well, yeah, let's work out what to do with them." And so Hebe was kind of entirely. Jack's creation and uh, Patricia McBride was kind of the idea of the the foil, and uh, I think my input really was to kind of do a bit of a Breaking Bad type thing on how you you take a the kind of provincial or regional academic, the kind of person you might reasonably know or study under or be a neighbour of or whatever, the kind of people you know in real life, and then increment by increment, how do you turn them into a Doctor Who villain, but dealing with r- real world, just very normal bigotry. Yeah, and then yeah, so so really, kind of, um, I think the, the kind of things I kind of folded in there were the idea of because um, Jack said, you know, she gets hold of time travel and then changes history. So I kind of thought, why well, my 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 touchstone was kind of Doc Ock, you know, the Alfred Molina Doc Ock from the Sam Raimi. Spider-Man, you know, so terrifying. That bit where he yeah, 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 yeah. But I thought the the idea of a time suit that that has its own AI and its own intuitive idea of okay, I'll yeah, I'll help you make make reality more something more suited to you, uh, and then yeah, that kind of aggressively in you know kind of clamps itself into your into your body and then you know and into your nervous system and uh, yeah so it was kind of a it was a cross between kind of yeah a bit a bit of doc ock and a bit of walter white in his journey to becoming heisenberg so and then we yeah, so then we worked out kind of step by step yeah the it's fall the, of patricia really it's quite it's a gradual build because you've got the first set and even at the first one because there's not really anything you're just setting up sort of hebe Patricia's not there, she's not there at all. But you've got that cliffhanger at the end of the first one, which I was like, 
there's something going on with Hebe. She got that phone call. I thought she was going to turn out to be like a baddie or something. So there were a couple of months. So he cleverly ended on that cliffhanger there. Uh, and then, yeah, halfway through the, the second one, we were sitting on Eastbourne Seafront. We were we were sitting under the pier and we were listening to Chronomancer. Chronomancer? Yeah. Chrono. Yeah, Chronomancer. We had we had that discussion in the. Yeah, Um, and the sequence where the doctor confronts Patricia in the kitchen, and we both sort of sat up. And we were, it was one of those moments in Big Fish. They don't come around very often, but it was such a, it was such a powerful moment. It was so brilliantly acted. It was talking about very, very real things as well. Yeah, it's, it's not subject matter that usually Doctor Who is capable of doing directly. You need the, to be honest, you kind of, you know, usually you need the analogy of science fiction, right? You know, you need to tackle it via something like the Happiness Patrol or anything else. It's a real, it was a real world confrontation before it goes sci-fi. The big thing I added to that um, when I was writing it is because obviously Hebe is a, uh, is a wheelchair user. So when you, you know, uh, Patricia's, going to have a, a particular problem with disabled people, but I didn't want the list of people that she would remove uh, to be a list that I wouldn't be included on. So that's why in, in that scene, I kind of, she, she, she reels off a longer list of people. I don't think I've the word homosexuality used in a Doctor Who story before. That really made me sell. It's not, it's, it's not a word we use conversationally, you know, anymore it's it's you know but it's it's yeah and that's why i put it on because i just thought well you know because i'm i'm bi i've been given a pink triangle by the nazis and and gassed uh and i I didn't want i didn't want to have a villain uh targeting a group in a piece of fiction i'd written if i wasn't on her list too i'd have felt uncomfortable missing me off so yeah so yeah that was kind of that was just a yeah but we know people like that though you know we live with them we're related to them you know it worries me i have conversations sometimes and things sort of slip out from people i know and i'm like i I don't know anything about you and i don't want to go there because i have to see you every day you know yeah but that, that's kind of the whole point of patricia it's what if, you, if she's she's not special it's just there are, there, there are millions of her but if you give one person one unremarkable bigot godlike powers what happens, you know? In the same breath, I've seen lots of scenes like that in other things where it can sound dictatorial or the person that's pushing against it, uh, where that doesn't... And it was just so brilliantly judged. And by the actors as well. Just... Well, yeah, because she's because in her she's not a villain though, because villains mm. are, villains villains exist in fiction. She's a she's a she's a highly intelligent um, regional academic, and uh, to her, it's all totally reasonable she'd be voting for rishi sunak in the next general election and uh she probably even doesn't she she, she probably considers gb news beneath her she's already a full listener she's not you know she doesn't consider herself an extremist because she doesn't act on any of her things but then well, she's given the means to here's another impossible brief this 12 part epic rob we're going to ask you to end it and write the very last mm. script no pressure. Oh I mean, well, things have to end certain ways. I mean, not everyone's liked it. Those people aren't wrong. <laughs> well, you know, it's not not everyone. You know, everyone's entitled to their own wrong opinion. 
Um, but you know, but uh, you, there's no point being daunted when you have to finish something because you know there are certain duties something has to do. Um, some people will really like what you do. Some people will not. Some people will be won't care either way. Faint praise is the only praise that really smarts. You've got things that need to, to need to occur. I mean. Um, Jack's other big thing was uh, introducing. This was part of her concept from the very beginning was that Hebe would have been a uh, friend and protege of uh, Even Smythe. So having the kind of the ghost of Even Smythe there was Jack's idea from the very beginning. So one thing I definitely wanted to do was find a way to give Evelyn a voice in it and uh, and a letter from Evelyn to be read out oh. to to her, all her friends by the yeah. Doctor. But I thought, well, there's I couldn't think of another way to do it. But I also knew it had to be there. So yeah. So sometimes actually there are just things that you put them in because you think, well, there's no other way to do it, and you can't not have it because Evelyn has to play. Evelyn has to have played a part in this, even though That's, she's off stage. That was the thing, even though obviously we've lost Maggie Stables in that last one. In fact, in several points in that run. It yeah. felt like she was part of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. never could have anticipated it. Or you mentioned that first set. Yeah, and we sat up and were like, oh, mm. and then by the last one, you were like, they're going to put a sound clip of her in. They're going to be something. It's going to be. It's, oh well, yeah, things. Things. That, the way characters and fiction work is, you don't need the actor for the character to have agency, even if they're not there. And um, you can have agency from beyond the grave, and you can have agency even if it's just you know. You, you know you, you've gone to australia but you left the kettle on and then everyone has to deal with that or whatever so yeah you can have the you can have the, the shadow of the character be there so um yeah so just yeah it was um yeah and I, I, for me i kind of thought well there are certain things that need to go in certain confrontations that have to happen and yeah and also but one the one thing that um jack and i both improvised as we went along because you can plan, but then certain characters kind of surprise you. Was um, uh, Elise and Ron? Because um, they, yeah. they were just like you know going to be supporting characters in Waterworlds, the first set, but they were too important. And fortunately, Shirley and uh, Toby were willing to come back, um, but they, they were too important as part of Hebe's friends group and they would and they were two and you know and also patricia's ex-husband as well you know these relationships were too powerful not to keep going so uh fortunately we were able to get them back so we just kept incorporating ron and lee's into the story um and then they but both are in by, by the end they're integral you know so yeah so like, like you know. gang of characters by the end of oh, joining like, the TikToks right now, we've got Amy, the and then you've got Ron and Elise. We really love those. Yeah, and that's a, yeah, that wasn't planned, but uh, you you plan you plan as much as you can, but then you've got to stay. You've got to keep your plan loose enough to respond to the stuff you that you've done, basically. Oh, it was glorious, and you know, just as a as a side note, um, you know, I'm a cynical Doctor Who fan, so I'm never happy with anything, and. <laughs> I've sort of berated the recent years, just like the overuse of continuity. And I know Be Finish is appealing to a certain demographic of Doctor Who fan that love that sort of thing. But when Purity came along and it was almost entirely continuity free, mm. just a completely original piece of story with just sort of Evelyn Smythe as the anchor, it was so refreshing. Mm. It was fantastic. Oh, I think that's that's essentially that's down to Jacqueline Rayner. That's uh, you know just because she you know it was her idea 
uh, of, you know, yeah, we've got the doctor and Mel and this new companion who is a wheelchair user, um, which is really important to Jack. Because uh, you know that was a bit of representation. It was kind of kind of mm. lacking in, and uh, and also because it's not just about you know, you know it's about you know listeners who are you know for example wheelchair users. It's like well where am I? Where you know what's how would how how, how am I going to use the TARDIS? Well, well the TARDIS you know the TARDIS likes you. The TARDIS will you know you'll you'll have no problem at all. What does an what does an adventure with the Doctor look like when you're a wheelchair user? So I'd love to do more with. Uh, uh, with Ruth Madeley, if we could, if we can, because um, yeah, it would be, it would be. I, I've got no idea if we can, but if we could, it'd be, it'd be lovely because because um, I think from now on, it's, it's you know, with uh, with Hebe kind of just established, you know, she, Hebe's had her own story that's all about her, and now she's now she can be a companion. And I mean, and I, I know you cannot tell us anything about the future, but I mean, another collaboration between you and Jack Raynor would be. Oh well, well, oh, well we've got well, Jack and I. We've we yeah, we've got years ahead. So yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we're good. We're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Oh, we'll go to bed yeah. smiling tonight. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> I'm not joking. I wrote on the calendar when these were coming out so we could download them on the day. I was like, it's Heavy Day. He literally wrote Heavy Day. Day. That's the sort of fact. It was just yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's not a spoiler future, but you know, but you know, Jack and I have. Uh, yeah. That was Jack and I kind of just met working on that, and uh, yeah, it's um, it's it, working with Jack is just the best. It's huge, huge fun. Okay, I've got a I've got a question for you about three very disparate ranges. Okay. Okay. So it's Eric Roberts's Master series, mm-hmm. the Young War Doctor Begins series. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Nine Doctor. So you've contributed to all of those in in one way or another. Yeah. And they're three very different ranges. How on earth do you go about approaching all these different? Because tonally they're very different. Like, do, do you research the characters? Well. Should we start with I don't know? Should we start with Eric Roberts Master? Mm. Yeah. Well, I rewatched the um, the TV movie and decided that I I I liked I like him big and cam I like him dressed for the occasion. That's kind of I actually think he's at his best then. I I was kind of, you know I don't like him because it's a bit Terminator when he's down the hospital in the leather coat. I thought, yeah. but um, no, my job on that one was really just to bring him back. Uh, I I feel that with the Master and the Doctor. They are larger than life characters you don't meet in real life. So, but they're also, you know, they're archetypal. They can look after themselves. So the secret is the companion. So with Rose, you bring back the ninth doctor. But the important thing is setting up the world of the companion and setting up the companion because the doctor, the doctor can look after himself as a character. Um, well, you need to put the work in is into whose world is he going to come into? So bringing the, Bring Eric Roberts Master back. It was all about creating the character of Lila Krieg and her world, and basically doing Doctor Faustus. So he, she's Doctor Faustus. He's Mephistopheles, um, and yeah, so she, she kind of she resurrects the devil and uh, gets everything she thought she wanted. That was the 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 shape on that one that immediately suggested itself because the master i would maintain that i find the master is a boring character because evil is dull evil is an absence of good so it's not, not when eric roberts is no. saying the word so <laughs> that's that's a that's a different part of the brain joe it's a different part <laughs> of the brain yeah but um but yeah the master is essentially um quite 
what makes the master interesting and this could also be true of the doctor perchance is the the humans the you know the 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 more the relatable characters around them which is not i don't think is a controversial opinion that goes straight back to a, to an unearthly child it's called doctor who but he's just a character in it actually the protagonists are Ian and barbara to a lesser extent susan and then and the doctor is kind of the he's almost the doctor zachary smith figure the unreliable guy who happens to know how to, to fly the ship. So, uh, the yes. The first episode was called Rose. You know, it's the same. Yeah, episode. yeah, it's her story. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of really, I just approach it in those terms. The mar- tr- Treat the master as Satan. Because mm-hmm. I thought, you know, because I also thought that um, I didn't know who the hell Eric Roberts master was. Because he's a bit all over the place in the TV movie. So I thought, well, I have to kind of decide for people. So I, I, he's, he's essentially he's Lucifer. He is he's a he's he's an angel who who fell. So I kind of make him just he's satanic, um, but he you know but, but also he's very he's never very far from violence. So he'll be all charming and Bond villain like, then he'll rip your throat out. So uh, but yeah, the main thing on that was making it Lila Creek's story. It's one okay. of those yeah. those wonderful big finishes you know where you're just waiting for the shit to hit the fan you know it was building and building i thought she's gonna regret this soon and then bam it all went horribly wrong oh yeah yeah because you know you you make a deal with the devil you know what you get well actually either two things will happen you'll get what's coming to you or you'll outwit the devil actually because there's no one version of um this goes back to our storyteller conversation, Joe, but there's no one version of uh, the Faustus legend. In some of them, he outwits the devil. So uh, so it was just it was just a kind of a good archetypal way to start. And with the with the, with the ninth doctor stuff I've written, well, it's it's the ninth doctor. We, you know, you, but it, it's it, it's a bit different though, because it's pre-Rose and Chris Reckleston had a very clear idea of how he wanted to play it, which is a little bit different to how he's on television. I, I found the you know I think the way we kind of squared it is that kind of the trauma he's undergone is so fresh that he's he's essentially um, he's not confronting it at all because Chris Chris Eccleston wanted to kind of you know be really kind of joyful, fun, uh, you know, rooting for people and you know not unlike Tom actually wanting to enjoy his travels around the universe. Which which on you know which is on one level is not the the doctor as we saw on TV, but because it's pre Rose, you can you know it, it makes sense that oh he is totally not addressing any of the baggage he's got yet. He's he's choosing to live and to spend his kind of conscious waking hours um, in in a headspace where he's kind of not facing the pain. It was a bit it was a, it was a slightly odd proposition, but to be honest, I kind of think once you're into a story. The story kind of takes over, and you're in it then. And the young war doctor. Oh yeah, um, I I, I script edited the very first one, Matt, uh, Matt Finn's opening story, Light the Flame. So because Matt asked me to script edit that, I kind of thought, oh yeah, I, that might mean he might ask me to do one down the line at some point. Because you kind of, if you're a writer and script editor at Big Finish, you kind of look after each other that way. Uh, but then he offered me an entire box set, um, which was great. Um, I said yes immediately. Meant doing a three-hour War Doctor story. Um, I think also asking me to do a box set meant that they didn't have to find another two writers. It was just like if Rob says yes to all of it, then job done. So I kind of thought I've got three hours to write a War Doctor story, and the War Doctor is a really underexplored character, and I 
And there's a lot about the War Doctor. That do- I already watched the Death of the Day of the Doctor recently, and uh, you don't need to know much for the benefit for that story. But I have a lot of questions about the War Doctor that get thrown up just by his existence and by the other Doctor's attitude to him that didn't make any sense to me. It's like, well, how bad did he, did he get? Because for the, is did he is he really did he really do terrible things during the Time War, or are all the other Doctors? hypocritical cowards who are projecting what they did onto just them, another version of them. Because he may not call himself the Doctor anymore, but it's still it's all the same person. You know, you you can't be, you know, oh, it's, it's like someone, oh, that wasn't me. That was that was the old me who did all that terrible stuff. So I, I, I thought, well, I've got three hours. I will do Apocalypse Now because Apocalypse Now is the ultimate, it's the ultimate war film. One of my favorite films, but also it's the altar. I thought it was, you know, having sending the doctor up the river metaphorically to go and meet Kurtz metaphorically was the best way for me to explore what the war doctor is. And uh, the the idea was, and but also, um, um, before we did Citizen Kane, Orson Welles was going to do Heart of Darkness as a film adaptation. And the idea of what, and it was all going to be, the whole movie was going to be a one point of view shot from Marlowe. So you see what Marlowe sees all the way up the river. You know, it was going to be a completely subjective view of the of as an ad- adaptation, and that and voiced by Orson Welles. So you, you'd hear Orson Welles and you'd see what Orson Welles was seeing, playing Marlowe, and then when he meets Kurtz at the end, who would be playing Kurtz? But Orson Welles. And I thought, well, the Doctor goes up the river to find this monstrous renegade time lord who's been fighting the time war better than the darks or the time lords you know it's no big it's no big mystery who could it possibly be so that was that was that was kind of you know that was the idea really um use use the story use the the apocalypse now approach to uh to for me to figure out what a version of the of the war doctor that makes sense to me and another question just about um obviously lots of different diverse ranges lots of different tones obviously you're you're quite prolific with big finish now so um i'm assuming it isn't you start one script you end one script you script edit one thing you end one thing that there are overlaps oh so many overlaps. (laughs) (laughs) it's say it nicely like but i was like how do you come out of one into another oh no you don't you uh no it's it's always really good to be cheating on one script with another because okay. yeah it, it really I'm putting ha- off that one with you all right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it helps because you've always got somewhere to escape to you know or whatever and but, but also it's yeah it's i mean at the moment i've i'm i've got five different one hour scripts on the go you yeah. so calm, honestly. <laughs> well, you know, it's the, writing is fine. It's the it's the producing that's stressful because you have to deal with people. And I'm a writer. <laughs> it's like I, I didn't get into this business to talk to people, um, you know, or and schedule things. But yeah, so now the writing that, that's all fun. That's all fun. You know, it's yeah, I've monetized my hobby basically, so it's it's, it's all good. But yeah, it's um, and some of them you can some of them kind of you know take a long time to write, and some of them. Uh, like like um, I wrote an episode of um, Doomsday, the uh, the twenty four hour thing that's multimedia thing, and uh, that was one I wrote that in May. Literally, that was um, uh, Jamie Anderson emailed me and asked me if I wanted to do it, 
near the beginning of May, and um, I think before the end of the May of, of May, the studio draft was locked. And it was a, again, it was a it's um it's a story where Doomsday meets Jackie Tyler, and <laughs> and like as I said earlier, because it's it was a fast write. It's a chase story because my character, you know, my character is in a hurry because I am. Tyler out an assassin. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I was so, oh yeah, I was so glad to get to write for Jackie Tyler because, um, yeah. But it's one of the things, you know. It's, I'm, you know, just as a, for, you know, I, I was just watching Doctor Who casually in 2005. You know, when it came back, it's like, oh, now, now I've got to written for Camille Kadiri, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool, but. Um, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. They 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 do ask you to do some really cool stuff, and sometimes you've got more time than other times. And sometimes you, you um, it's a kind of a like with the end of the beginning. It's a drop what you're working on now, and could you do this please, and then go back to to the other thing. Is there something like a a, a what's the sort of dream commission, either big finish or otherwise? What would you really? What is this? Is there something that you still really want to? Okay, right. well, character we have one character. of each please one in big finish but i want to hear the one out of it what okay else? um within big finish um i'd love to write for the seventh doctor and ace in a kind of a circa season 26 kind of that would be just you know because that's my that's that's the apex for me um i'm not optimistic uh because I can't, I've made so much noise about it. You, you'd think someone <laughs> would have let me by now, but uh, but hey, it's it's all good. I get to, I get to do plenty of other stuff. But yeah, to, writing a season twenty six style story would be a lot of fun for a few weeks. Outside of Doctor Who, oh good god, what I really want to be doing, which is you know you know writing my own spec stuff and getting it produced or making it myself. Um, you know, I, I I really enjoy um, writing for Big Finish, but it has never been my plan to kind of dedicate my life to working working on other people's IP. Mm. Um, I, I love Doctor Who, but um, uh, yeah, I think what you, what one really wants to do is just do one's own, you know invent one's own brand new characters and tell one's own brand new stories. Really, is there a particular genre that you would like to write? The one reason I'm kind of I've got, I've got a fair facility for Doctor Who is I suppose my genre is sort of um, historical drama, adventures, thrillers, that kind of thing. You know, um, so I, I'm kind of you know, I'm already in my it's, it, Doctor Who is well in my wheelhouse. It's just that um, you you you're always a guest writing on for Doctor Who. You know, it's never it's 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 not yours. And uh, yeah, and that's saying uh, so. Whilst it's very, very satisfying in a way working on it, it's also dissatisfying in a way in that um, you're not doing your own stuff. We uh, pull away from Doctor Who then, and I just want to ask you, like, of the work you've done elsewhere, what's the proudest thing that you've been involved with? It's difficult because I think once something's finished, released with me, I kind of, you know, it can often like turn to ashes in your mouth in a way. So it's like, it's, it's always the next thing that's going to be, maybe the next thing is the thing that won't kind of, you know, turn to dross the moment you bring it back from Fairyland or something. But no, I I, I really like the first series. Um, I did uh, Wireless with Jack Bowman, um, the Spring Hill Saga and uh, Red Moon, which uh, won the BBC Audio Drama Award and kind of kind of uh change things a fair bit that i was kind of really pleased with that um i wrote a series for audible an arthurian historical adventure drama called called albion legend of arthur that that was covering kind of you know 
some ground that I wanted to cover. But yeah, I must I must admit, I don't know. Um, you, you, I find that you, you might like bits of things you've done, but uh, it's always that thing of, you know, maybe, maybe the next one will be the one that kind of goes right. I actually think it's a lot of it is it's not the finished product is kind of dead in a way. It really is the it's being in it, the experience of doing it is the thing. So it's always the next one. We're so sorry to bring you here today and talk about things that are ashes in your mouth then. See <laughs> <laughs> um an adaptation of Little Women. Oh yeah, that was great. I know that was um that was I directed that for uh for Audible. Um in fact, one of the cast who played Mr. March, um, a brilliant actor and pianist and singer, Eric Eve Garcia, was over in London um, the last couple of weeks. And I went to see him at the uh, the Crazy Cox Club where he was at the uh, the Brasserie Zadel where he was doing his show. And uh, so I've um, been for drinks for him a couple of times in the last week. But uh, yeah, no, that was, um, yeah, that's an adaptation of Little Women that... Uh, produced by Audible. And um, yeah, they flew me out to New York to direct that. So I was staying in New York and uh, commuting to their studios in New Jersey to direct it. And uh, with an amazing cast of American actors. I mean, it's, it was an Audible UK production, but they wanted, um, you know, they wanted to use American actors in America. So um, yeah, they so they, they kind of they sorted out my O1 visa and got me over there. And um, yeah, so I was over there for a couple of weeks and it was like the happiest gig of my life, really. Um, made a bunch of friends on it. And um, yeah, it was huge fun to do. Well, that's not a terrible yeah. perk, is it, for that job? Oh, no, no. Uh, it's just, it was also the, the uh, it was a full cast audio drama, but it was, it was, but there was interlinking narration from the prose which was uh, done by Laura Dern. And she was the one person I didn't get to work with, which is, oh. yeah, a shame. But yeah, but it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was, it was brilliant to do. And uh, yeah, that was, that was 19, no, sorry, that was, that was 2019. That was just, the, you know, little did we all know that that was, that was the summer before everything wow, yeah. changed. Before yeah. Were no longer possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. In fact, I think we no, it was it was it was Albion for Audible. We locked post production on the Friday, then the Monday was lockdown in 2020. I, I've got a question to ask, and I think I know the answer is go away. But <laughs> um, what's coming up for Rob Valentine? What can we expect to see? Right. Okay. Um, As, well, things have been announced. Some some things have been announced. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good thing. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think actually we can edit think... this. Remember? <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not going to give anything away because you know they will track me down and they know where I live, so they'll they will track me. No, I don't think I've got anything coming out that has been announced. I think it's all yeah. I think Doomsday was the last thing announced that, and that came out recently. I've got lots that has still not seen the light of day uh, for the rest of this decade coming out and so I've got, I've got a lot of big finish to come out but i don't think anything has been announced that, well that'll do for us yeah. so we know yeah. it's coming yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah working on stuff and having something and then it's years later than it's oh yeah yeah that, that, yeah it really kind of it, it you start thinking well i start thinking about my mortality it's like bloody hell when that comes out i'll be Oh, then, then I stop. I stop myself from completing the sums because it's too terrifying. But yeah, yeah, I've got, I've, I've done a lot for Big Finish that's um, all locked and loaded, and I think re and ready to release. But um, yeah, for all I know, they something might get announced that might be coming out 
later this year or it might be done for the year and things might not be out till next year or the year after i don't know well look, you've given the listeners nothing to be excited about because we've got no details at all there but we're ready to be excited <laughs> <laughs> prepare to prepare to prepare to be excited rob can we have a little bit of fun with you before we go yes because we've got a quiz and we've read our (laughs) quiz is normally named oral audacity but i would obviously we would not say anything as inflammatory to you (laughs) so instead we're calling it probing rob (laughs) (laughs) my dream come true We have five questions. This is okay. about your own work to see if you've been paying attention, although you've just told us you've forgotten all about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Question one. What Perry Brown line does Constance say in the Lovecraft invasion? It's a line Perry Brown says a lot in season 22, and Constant says the same thing in Lovecraft invasion. Us. Oh, all these corridors look the same to me. Oh, right, yes. That's okay. a very obscure thing, Cal. I'm very sorry. <laughs> these questions aren't going to get any better. Oh, yeah. I'm... Okay, yes. Yeah, let's come back to me now. What is the name of the war-torn republic that Bambera was in at the beginning of Rogue State? Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, Valgamaya. Yay! Yes, yeah, and the reason I yeah having fictional countries is established in the novelization of Battlefield because she had a bad time in Azania, which was an al- a potential alternative name for South Africa, I think. So yeah, so yeah, the whole Valgamaya thing. I think Valgamaya. I think it's Estonian for white. House. It is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I googled it today to see if it was real. So name, name, name. No, no, it's named after Mary. So oh, yeah, so so yeah, so Valgamire is named after Mary Whitehouse. That was it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Question three: What uh, is Leela likened to in the Tivolian who knew too much? Oh, um, so at one point she's called a uh, leather-clad Artemis. And at another point, she's called a uh, gladiatrix. Yes, yeah. told me a word there. You know, I'd never heard of gladiatrix before. Oh well, the one I love is aviatrix, a female aviator. Which established planet do Caval and Valen come from in Chronomancer? Oh, Dronid. Or, yeah. Or, yeah, or Dronid, depending on which source you go with. But yeah, Dronid, Dronid, which is, uh... is the same place from Alien Bodies, the book from the Age of Range. Possibly, but it's where Skagra comes from. It's Skagra's home. Yeah, planet. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wowzers! There's a that planet's had a lot of le- yeah, a lot of mileage, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And question five. Oh, this one's easy. Why yeah. did we finish on this it's easy one? one. <laughs> In Faustian, the ruins of which famous landmark have been torn down? Was it St Paul's? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm amazed. Yeah, I'm amazed. I remember that. But yes. Yeah. That's four out of five. You know. Yeah. Do you know what? That's that's a bit better than I thought I would do. So yeah, they were too easy. Yeah, they we should we should have gone way harder. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Rob, I've I've booked the registry office. The the dinner's ready. Shall we get? <laughs> yeah, they're gonna need a wide aisle. You know, so, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few pasties lately. <laughs> 
Oh, but thank you so thank much. You. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me. It's been huge fun. Thank you.